0: Is now on
1: 102.9 ESPN Radio, Missouri.
0: The best part about this is that our good friend Jeff Safford, who's been uh, on board with us here at ESPN, Missoula for a couple months, he's the voice of the Missoula Ballads. He has no idea of this uh, endlessly running joke that's been going on here at uh, both ESPN Missoula and Missoula Broadcasting Company for four plus years now. Finally, you acknowledge that this band is a joke. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) This is the most all over the place argument I've ever been involved in. My stance has always been and will maintain that Creed's debut album, which went diamond, I believe, sold 10 million plus copies. It's a very good album It's very good songwriting Uh, They became a parody of themselves After releasing that album Because it had so much success That led to this album And this horrific song And I don't like Creed In any form or fashion Besides their first album My only argument has been That their first album Is a very good one And uh, my former colleague Ryan Toutel And then our current Esteemed producer Tommy Evans Have taken this And ran with it As if I am the biggest Creed fanboy of all time But uh, you know it still remains the same. I'd still listen to my own prison before I ever listen to the uh, the White Album or Revolver or any of these other Beatles things that you try to make me listen to. Tommy. All I'm saying is, before you move on, you know I've had a long-running music show on a well-respected station in this community, going on nine years. No one yeah. ever comments to me about my work on that station. They comment to me that I work with this musically inept buffoon Coulter. <laughs> Who
1: wants to get in here and talk about Creed? <laughs> oh, my God! Anyway, sorry you got reeled into that, Jeff. You can... Well, uh... <laughs> sometimes... You just got to let Scott Strap roll. That's right. You just got to let it go. That's
0: right. That's exactly right. Tommy Evans also has a great music show, debuting a bunch of new music. He's (laughs) Creed-free. It's Creed-free. He's getting it all ready for you. It debuts, or not debuts, but continues tonight, 6 p.m. on the trail. So switch it on up, 103.3 FM. It's easy. It's one notch away from 102.9, which is what you're listening to right now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Our good buddy Jeff Safford in the studio with me, Coulter Nuwanez. He's the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, back from a long road trip that uh, took him through the Electric City uh, for his 4th of July weekend. So uh, we'll save our comments on those circumstances for maybe later on or maybe not at all. But, Jeff, I want to talk about some other stuff with you first. Uh, first of all, by the way, I need to mention this just in terms of breaking news. This is a story that's been... Um, much scrutinized already. We're not going to give you much opinion on this until maybe later on in the week. But Shakari Richardson, who is uh, the darling of the United States track and field team, or was one of the great American sprinters for the women's side of things. She was absolutely the favorite in the 100 meters and would have been a medal contender in the 200 meters as well and also was expected to be on the gold medal favorite 4x100 meter relay team at the Olympics. Well, last week, she tested positive for marijuana, which cost her her 100-meter spot. But her suspension would have been over as of August 5th, which means Team USA, after that 30-day suspension was ending, could have named her as part of the 4x100 meter relay team. Well, today, she's left off. So, Shikari Richardson, who is the top sprinter, not only in America, but in the world, will not participate in the 2021 Olympics. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later on this week because there's more to it than just a failed uh, drug test here. This is a huge missed opportunity for the United States Olympic team and for women's track in general. Uh, This young lady, she's only 21 years old. She's a transcendent talent. Uh, Her look, her style... Uh, the way that she does her nails, the way that she carries herself, all of it. She had an opportunity to be one of the darlings of this Olympics. And uh, this is this is devastating for her from a personal level, but also for Team USA. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Jeff, let's talk about Major League Baseball here for just a minute. And we'll start with the team that you grew up following. The San Francisco Giants, I think, have completely bucked any prognostication or prediction The NL West was expected to be one of the top divisions in all of Major League Baseball. The headlines started and ended with the defending World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers and the uh, San Diego Padres, who had one of the great, or I guess one of the most uh, frantic and productive off-seasons that I can remember. Yet, the San Francisco Giants are sitting atop the National League West. They are, uh, I believe, have the second-best record in baseball, just a game behind the Boston Red Sox. As of two weeks ago, they had the best record in baseball. I don't really know if anybody saw this coming. So, what, what's your take? Because you're a guy that follows the Giants pretty intimately, as a guy that is from that neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at from guys from the Bay Area, I don't, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, nobody. I mean, this is a team that had a lot of guys that were left over from that championship run they had three and five years. Guys like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey. Players that were kind of getting up there in age a little bit, and people kind of just saw this as a season that wasn't probably going to go very well, but the power bats have been there all season long. That's been a big part of their offense, and the pitching, that was one thing that a lot of people said, wow, this pitching staff isn't going to be able to do anything. Well, they've got a couple of guys up there that are all-star quality with Gossman being an all-star himself, and couple other arms in their bullpen and through the rest of their rotation that have just been fantastic this season. So that just goes to show baseball can be a funny sport. Sometimes you just got to roll with it. And sometimes things work out in a way that you don't think they're going to. It is uh, sort of fascinating to look at some
0: of the names on the roster, because it's almost as if you're looking into right now. I think one of the prominent storylines in baseball, which makes me so mad that Major League Baseball isn't very good at promoting itself, is this this injection of these electric young players, pretty much across the board, but particularly in the National League and particularly in the National League West. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. with the Padres. Uh, you have all these great players with the Dodgers. But then you look at this Giants roster, and it's it's almost like a flash from the past. you got guys that are still hanging on from the, a decade ago when the Giants were the dominant team in baseball, quite honestly. Guys like Buster Posey and Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria. Uh, so it does those sort of buck conventional wisdom, the way that they've been able to do this. Baseball can be a funny sport sometimes. But is there anything more to this? I mean, how are the Giants putting on this run, especially through this division, that seems like they should be at the very best, the third-best team?
1: Well, it's all about, like touched on it earlier, the Giants offensively are built on power. They are one of the top home-run teams in Major League Baseball. They kind of rely on getting a few guys on base. They're not a team that has a particularly high batting average. I think Brandon Crawford is the team leader in batting average right now, and his average is only at... 262. He's hitting
0: 264. Yeah, they're hitting 242 as a team, but you're right. They have 126 home runs. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, especially when we're not even to the All Star break, that's a lot. So they are certainly relying on the home run. Is that sustainable, though? I guess is the main question.
1: Well, you've got to think that the power numbers are going to stay somewhat there through this. I mean, they've been able to go this long in the season putting up those type of power numbers. Obviously, You don't expect them to stay at the top of the league like they've been. But the one thing you don't see changing much is the way the pitching has been. I mean, Gossman's been good. Um, The veteran Alex Wood was once Los Angeles Dodger, another kind of guy that people kind of wrote off. He was a late signing by the Giants right before spring training. He's been pretty good this season. Their bullpen's been solid. And they've had guys step up that came through their system that people didn't really expect to do too much. Yastrzemski is a name that pops up right away. He kind of popped up, oh, he's just the son of a former Red Sox, blah, blah, blah. But he's been solid in almost two years now with the Giants. Jeff
0: Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining me, Colter Nuwanas. It's the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Go to nwmsrocks.com to check out the largest inventory of trucks in the entire Northwestern United States. I'm looking at the team statistics, and as I mentioned, the San Francisco Giants hitting 242 this season as a team. That's actually good enough to be tied for 10th in all of Major League Baseball, which in itself, I believe, uh, brings to light... One of the bigger problems in Major League Baseball. I mean, you got multiple teams that are hitting almost at the Mendoza line as a team. I mean, the Seattle Mariners are hitting 209 right now. That's just brutal for their fans to watch a team that's hitting 209. The the lack of prioritization on true just hitting rather than loading up for the three-run home run, I think is one of the biggest drawbacks to baseball. But then, to your point, in terms of the Giants hitting home runs, 126, it does lead Major League Baseball two ahead of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and five ahead of the Minnesota Twins, who broke the Major League record for home runs in a season uh, two years ago before the the, uh, the pandemic-shortened season. But, I mean, how big of an issue is this, the fact that you have not even half the teams in the league are hitting two forty as a team? Is, is this
1: sort of removing from the visual appeal that is Major League Baseball? Well, you think what puts... People in the ballpark, what do they want to see? They want to see action. They want to see teams hitting home runs. They want to see bat flips. They want to see wild, crazy circumstances. And if you don't have a lot of offense, you're not going to see a lot of that. Now that there's there's nothing wrong with a good old school pitcher's duel, and I love when a game features great pitching, but you also have to have some more consistent offenses. And you touched on the Mariners and that batting average. They're not even a bad club. They're a couple of games over 500 right now. So it's not like the Mariners are dwelling in the cellar with that batting average near 200. That's just something that they've been able to have success with, even despite that, which is kind of surprising that their batting average is that low, but their record-wise aren't that awful as a team. There's been multiple
0: surprises across Major League Baseball right now as we uh, creep toward the All-Star break. The San Francisco Giants, certainly one of the leading surprises uh, in Major League Baseball. But I also think the the inverted nature of the American League East. We did our baseball picks right before you came on board, Jeff, so we never got you on the record in terms of our baseball competition. But Matt Ellis, the vice president of the Missoula Paddleheads, myself, Sean Rainey from SWX Montana Television, and Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, Uh, We all made our preseason baseball picks. I I think that every team in the uh, AL East was picked to win the league by one of us. Besides the team that's at the top, the Boston Red Sox, and the team that's at the bottom, the Baltimore Orioles, which that's a whole different story. A once-proud franchise that's just so bad, I can't even believe that the Orioles have let it slip away. But the Tampa Bay Rays have sort of bucked the notion of a World Series hangover, although they're not in first place. They are having a solid year so far. 13 games over 500. But I think that more than anything, more than the Red Sox even having the best record in baseball, the number one storyline out of the American League East is that the Yankees are sitting there at 500. So what do you think of just this sort of unpredictable way that the American League East
1: has gone so far this year? Well, you touched on the Yankees a little bit, and they didn't have a significantly slow start to the season, but in the last month or so, some of their big bankroll guys just aren't performing, especially... The pitchers you think of are all this Tra- Chapman and Garrett Cole, specifically, the last month or two, they both have not pitched very well at all. I think e- ERA for Chapman in the last month is over 10, which that's just not going to cut it for a guy that you expect to come in in the 8th or ninth inning and just mow people down, throwing fastballs at 102, 103, whatever the case may be. And, and Cole is a guy that's a starting pitcher you expect to go out there and go at least seven, just has been a horse pretty much his whole career in the big leagues. But, you know, if those type of guys aren't performing, type of players you spend all the money on, then the Yankees are in trouble. And you have to wonder, too, with the sort of secondary controversy about
0: the substances that are being used by pitchers to alter the baseball, the regulation of that now by Major League Baseball, spin rate has become this buzzword. What's the spin rate reduction for a lot of these pitchers? The number one guy that's sort of leading this charge, or I guess at the back end of this, is Garrett Cole. There's uh, lots of talk about how his spin rate is thousands of RPMs less. Now that they've been more highly regulating the substances that pitchers use to make the ball move so sharply like they do. So do you feel like that's affecting him, his confidence level at all? I mean, is, is he just a product of the, the, uh, the false enhancements, or is this a guy that can get this thing back on track? Because they're
1: paying him a lot of money. Like you said, they need him to be an ace. Well, it's hard to really say how much of a factor it is because that's the kind of interesting thing about this whole controversy with substances is that we don't really know who was using substances or not. Right. It wasn't like the steroid era where we could take a look at Jose Canseco or Mark McGuire or whoever you want to say and say, well, was he or wasn't he? It would be pretty obvious and things were well documented in other instances where we may never know exactly who was using or who was not using some of those substances. And I asked um, Michael Schlack, the manager of the Paddleheads about this, kind of got his perspective in a pregame interview. And I thought his perspective on it was interesting. He he said he had never done it and never used any substances when he was in professional baseball. He made it as high as Double A in his time in affiliated baseball. And his kind of thinking was that, you know, if Major League Baseball thinks that this is a big deal, then people should pay attention to it and try to follow the rules. Because obviously, if Major League Baseball is making a big deal out of this, then it should be a big deal. And and who knows? Maybe, just maybe, the reason for Cole's decline is linked to this substance, but nobody really knows.
0: Jeff Safford, Missoula Paddleheads. Voice of the Missoula Palace, joining me, Coulter Nuanas Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. O- over the weekend, both Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit their 27th home run. Why is that impactful? Well, they are now two of four guys ever to hit 27 or more home runs at the age of 22 or younger before the All-Star break. Johnny Bench was the first to do it. He had 28 home runs before the All-Star break way back in 1970. These two guys now join the group. That got me thinking though, Jeff, these two are sort of the the headliners of what is an outstanding group of young players in Major League Baseball, whether it's Ronald Acuna for the Braves. I mean, there's a variety of guys,
1: but I'll leave it open for you. Who are some of your favorite young guys right now in the league to follow? Well, I think you already touched on a number of them. Um, Guerrero Jr. is really fun to watch. I love to watch Acuna. Some people don't care for Acuna as much because he's a flashy player. He does the bat flips and the little shimmy when he hits a home run and the, his whole deal. But, right. but I like the flashiness. And I think that part of that is missing in Major League Baseball. 100%. Because they, people need to connect with these players. If they're going to be out there on the field 162 games in theory a year, if you don't like the guy, then what reason do you have to tune in and watch? You know, it's, you got to bring something to the table. that's make it must watch television every night. And, and I'll think back to, you know, growing up in Barry Bonds. Yep. Every time Barry Bonds was in the box, when you're at a Giants game, the place stopped. Always. Nobody, nobody was going to get garlic fries or a crab melt sandwich. Well, if, <laughs> if you ever go to a game in San Francisco, you got to get a crab melt. They yeah, put it on sourdough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, I digress any anytime he came to the plate it was must much watch and whenever he hit a home run I don't th- I've never I don't think I've ever been able to see another ballpark react in the same way where you'd see that camera in the background where they'd show the shot from the right and they'd have the crowd in the background after mm-hmm. the swing the whole crowd at one time would just stand up immediately you know the whole place would just immediately be going nuts and that's the type of Of connection that fans should have with these baseball players, if you know, it should bring that excitement, that that wow factor. And if you can't be yourself and have some fun, then there is no wow factor. If people don't
0: like the brashness, they don't like the um, the sort of edge that some of these guys play with. They don't like the the arrogance that you know an old school baseball guy would say that Acuna is arrogant. Okay. Well, here's the biggest issue I have with Major League Baseball as a whole in the way that they brand their players and their, and their athletes. I would say a good half of the guys that were superstars in Major League Baseball in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s before the steroid scandal sort of made the bubble burst in the MLB were villains. And people loved that about them. Albert Bell's one of my favorite players of all time. No one liked Albert Bell. That's why I liked Albert Bell, because Albert Bell was not trying to bow down to anybody. He'll hit the 400-foot home run and flip the bat, and then he'll slide cleats up right into you in second base the very next time he hits a double off the wall. I loved it. Roberto Alomar, completely unlikable. Still one of my favorite players ever. Bonds, great. I mean, there was so many guys from Manny Ramirez to Alex Rodriguez. These guys were all If people didn't like them, whatever, keep on rolling. But baseball marketed sort of the unlikability of these guys as well to make them into huge stars, even if they didn't have
1: the, you know, the personality that everybody gravitates toward. And to make it kind of an interesting equation, I, before I came up here, I lived with a guy that was a huge professional wrestling fan, right? And professional wrestling, it's, it's a storyline. It's, you know, it's a show and they how they build their storylines is on the baby face as they're called, and the quote unquote heels. and you need that. so you need the guys that are more like likable, they're you know they're fan favorites. those guys are you know the people that look at and then you need also the heels, the guys that are villains, they're devious, they bring another kind of swagger to it and There are guys that you like that you kind of touched on for for different reasons. You like a guy because, you know, he donates money to all the charities, you know, and, you know, he kisses babies. And then you like the guy that just doesn't really seem to care, you know, that he shows up like, I'll use an example, Pat Burrell with San Francisco Giants. He was a guy that was kind of just this, this guy that just kind of did his own thing. And, you know, he's kind of this folk legend in Philadelphia for doing all these crazy things and you know showing up to games 30 minutes before and you know and maybe he had a drink or two beforehand who knows but that was just kind of part of the mystique of Pat Burrell you know no no question and the professional wrestling
0: analysis is a good one because I do think that sports in their essence now in the modern era are a television show so therefore the drama behind it is a key portion of it I would say that In the NFL, they're so good at making heroes and villains. Tom Brady has embraced this villain role, and it's made him the most famous player in the entire NFL. Roger Goodell has also embraced the villain role, and so then despite all the scrutiny, he maintains this position as the most powerful man in sports. Major League Baseball needs to embrace the villain aspect of this thing, because I do think that it could revamp a lot of the the, the star power conversations that are being had in the league. And then the NBA, look at the NBA, I think that Half the guys that are superstars that fall into the villain category hate it because they're all about their brand and all about their marketing. They can't embrace the villain thing, and I think that hurts them as well. But we digress. Jeff Safford, Missoula Paddleheads, joining me, Coulter Nuwana's in studio. We went a little long there because that was a good conversation, so we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be back to tell you all about the Missoula Paddleheads. They embark On a six-game road trip tomorrow, and uh, they are sitting alone in first place. They have the best record in all the Pioneer League, and they're two games up in the Pioneer League North. Just nine days left in the first half of this season. Jeff Safford will take us through what has been the keys to success for Missoula. Right after this, keep it here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Get to more.
1: This is is Now on 102.9 ESPM Radio Missoula.
0: Come to my party. Up, buddy. It's the old school, Tommy like we joined from years ago when I first started here. I love it. Rwanda is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana, television around the great state of Montana, each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you had an outstanding 4th of July weekend. This is where the train sort of starts rolling for me. Always trying to get uh, a little breather in between postseasons for high school sports in May, rock and roll in June, all the way through the 4th of July. And then start scheming, getting ready for football. Cannot wait for the return of college football in the city of Missoula and around the great state of Montana. We have all sorts of big plans for you. A couple surprises up our sleeves as well. So please stay tuned for all that. we we'll would be happy to present College Game Day each and every Saturday from the base of the walking bridge right on the fringe of the University of Montana campus right there from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll do that each and every Grizz home game throughout the fall. So very excited for that. Thanks so much for all our great sponsors for doing it. Nuwana is now broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Visit nwmsrocks.com to check out the biggest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Going to continue our conversation about baseball, talk to all things Major League Baseball with Jeff Safford, the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, here to start off our number two on Nuwana's Now. And I got some questions for him about the actual team that he's the play-by-play guy for That would be the Paddleheads heading into this upcoming road trip, which begins tomorrow in Ogden, Utah. But before that, I know you're probably hungry. Sandwich probably sounds pretty good, huh? Or maybe a bottle of wine. Whatever you want. Tagliari Delicatessen's got it for you. Tagliari Deli located on the corner of Beckwith and Higgins right there in the little mall. If you don't win today's gift card, head on down to Tagliari. They have been named the best sandwich in Montana, the best deli in Montana, by a variety of national outlets like People Magazine, the Food Network, and everything in between. But right now, we have a gift card for you, 406-888-1029, 406-888-1029. Call number two is going to get $25 to Tagliari Delicatessen. All you have to do is give us a call, give Tommy your information, and you're set with $25 bucks to Tagliari Deli, the best sandwiches, in all of the city of Missoula, anywhere you'll find in the state of Montana. All right, Jeff, Missoula Paddleheads, they just continue racking up wins. Even when they do have their backs against the wall, it looks like they might drop a series. They seem to find a way to rally to win, and they did it again uh, with a 6-5 win last night in Great Falls that was the rubber match of a three-game series with the Great Falls Voyagers. That win gives Missoula yet another series victory this summer. They have now again won 7 out of 10, which seems to be like the way that this is going. They're just 7 out of ten, seven out of 10, just cranking out wins. And now they sit here, nine days left in the regular season, with a two-game lead over the Idaho Falls Chuckers in the Pioneer League North as they head to Ogden, Utah to play the Ogden Raptors, who also are two games behind the Paddleheads, but they reside in the Pioneer League South. So we'll get into the matchup with the Raptors here in just a quick minute. But last night, an exciting one. So just take us through last night's victory and how the Missoula Paddleheads were able to come out with yet another road victory and another series
1: win in Gray Falls. Well, the Paddleheads haven't really seen the Voyagers too much this season coming into that series. They had only played them once. It was the opening series of the season way back in late May when the weather was in the the 50s and we even saw snow and some other crazy stuff kind of hard to believe now that we've been 90 plus for so long temperature wise but the team for the Voyager is also much different they actually after starting the season 0-9 had the record over 500 in their previous 25 games so definitely playing much better baseball and and they challenged the Paddleheads did what you would expect to. Good club to do on their home field. Try to protect their home turf. Game three felt like a rubber match. Said that last night a couple times on the broadcast. It was back and forth. Or neither team led by more than two runs. There was rebuttal innings where Missoula would score, take the lead. And Great Falls came right back in the bottom of the fourth inning after Missoula took the lead and grabbed the lead themselves. Saw some great work out of the bullpen Um Palmer Wenzel, a newly signed player out of the University of Texas, just joined the team last week. He was fabulous last night. Three innings pitched, didn't give up a hit, just a couple of walks. were the only base runners he's, he'd allowed. Mark Simon, another late inning guy who's been great all season long for the Paddleheads. He's actually tied for the league, league, league lead in wins. He has five wins as a bullpen guy, which is pretty impressive. He's done with he's he did what he's done all season long featuring that fastball and a breaking ball combination that's been so great to keep guys off balance and and the one guy also I want to touch on from last night's game was Nick Gatewood. You look at his stat line, he was had 3 hits and you think, "Oh yeah, you know, that's a great game." But the way it started didn't look like it was going to be a great game for him was Ofor in his first couple at bats and going into the 6th inning he was actually over 10 in the series against Great Falls, and you're thinking, oh boy, you know, this is just going to be a rough go. But it kind of really showed kind of the personality of this paddlehead club, that these guys are up there fighting in every at-bat, and they don't take any at-bat for granted. They're up there hacking, competing, no matter what. Even if he's gone 0 for 10, he's not just going to pack it in for the series and say, I'll go get him in Ogden next time. And Gatewood was a guy that ended up being the difference in the game for Missoula, He had two huge rbi base hits, one one in the seventh, and one that ended up being the difference in the game in the ninth inning. It gave him a two-run lead at the time, and they ended up needing that one run because Great Falls scored in the bottom of the ninth inning to cut it to a one-run game. So who knows? If Gatewood doesn't have that double in the ninth inning, then they might be thinking about a, walk, a, a knockout scenario. And if you've been following the paddleheads, we've seen – that the knockout has been very dicey at times, and as it is for any team, it's just such an unpredictable situation. And you think about Great Falls and that ballpark, how big it is right. in the outfield. How, we were talking about the dimensions of the field before we went on talking about center field being four fifteen. How the heck would a knockout play out in a big ballpark like that?
0: It would be a fascinating scenario to observe, Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Battleheads, breaking down all things Pioneer League Baseball here on is Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Michael Schlack got his money's worth over the weekend as well. Got ejected from another game. That's two for the Missoula Battleheads manager. That's not a point of criticism whatsoever. I love it. I love when managers stand up for their teams. It harkens back to the, the 1990s when you had guys like Bobby Cox and Lou Piniella, even Bobby Valentine, who sort of made a career out of this. But at this level... I think that this can be a thing that really empowers the players. So, uh, do, do you feel like there's some tactics behind this? It seems like the paddleheads seem to respond pretty darn good uh, when their
1: manager gets a little bit fired up. Well, I think it definitely helps them give, get a shot in the arm. It kind of, you touched on it. it to me, it kind of makes this players feel that, hey, my manager has my back. When he goes out there and he sees something that he doesn't like, and he gets really fired up about it. It shows that he's passionate about what they're trying to do, which is win ball games, and, for a lot of these players, try to advance their careers to the next level, get to affiliated baseball, as a couple of players on the Paddleheads already have this season. And that's just, to me, just a great thing, a great part of being a part of the Paddleheads to to know that your manager has your back and that he's going to go up there literally fighting for you.
0: Most of the guys, yeah, it's always interesting when you have a, a new team like this. They There was no pallets or any form of minor league baseball in Missoula last summer. So these guys, are they've come together for the first time now here. And they got about 40 games under their belt, 45 games under their belt, whatever. I'm not very good at math off the top of my head. But they are sort of creeping toward the midway portion of this season. But We've had names that have emerged as, as guys that are sort of the key players on this team, led by Zach Elman, who is... Uh, Just ripping the cover off the ball. He's got almost a 500 on base percentage. He's hitting 433. One of the uh, leading um, RBI guys in the Pioneer League. He's got 40 RBI. Brandon Riley's been great no matter where they play him at the top of the lineup. Aaron Bond is a tremendous talent as well. Uh, Jared Aikens provides great pop in the middle of the lineup. But you look up and down the statistics, I mean, this team is hitting about 320 as a team. They got power. They got speed. They are just an offensive juggernaut. Is there anybody, though, in the lineup right now that hasn't, I don't want to say lived up to expectation because I don't know if there was expectation, but is there somebody that maybe uh, hasn't been able to find it quite yet that
1: if he did, would even send this offense to the next level? Well, the one guy I would look at in that respect would be Sam Troyer. Sam Troyer has been a fabulous defensive player for the Paddleheads all season. He's been, whether he's been at third base, shortstop, wherever they put him on the field. He's a guy that you can rely on, and he's been great defensively all season. And at times, he's put together some nice runs at the plate, but hasn't been able to really keep that going. If he's a guy that typically hits at the bottom of the order, if he can really get it rolling for a run of games, then look out, because if the Paddleheads have a guy in the nine hole that's flipping the lineup back up to the top for the for the big boys, some of the guys you mentioned, like, Riley and Cameron Thompson, who's been great out of Kansas State and leadoff spot for the last couple of weeks, then then look out because that's going to be a lot of trouble. And that's one thing that Clay Fisher did in the early parts of the season successfully. A lot of times he was hitting in the nine hole and then was able to flip it back up to the top. And as his offensive numbers kind of improved, they started moving him more towards the middle part of the order. Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining me, Colter
0: Nuanez, here in studio 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. All right, Jeff. It's We do this every Tuesday, by the way, because the Paddleheads are off on Tuesdays. They play pretty much every other day. So uh, another upcoming road trip. You're heading to Ogden, Utah. You're
1: going to catch the bus this time, right, buddy? I've got if, if Matt Ellis is listening, I'm sure he's going to laugh at this, but I have five alarms set. Five.
0: <laughs> five. Jeff got to—at least it's a scenic drive. Jeff got to drive himself uh, to the last uh, Ogden Raptors series, but at least he got to drive through a, a beautiful part of America. But uh, I, I just had to give you some guff there. But let's preview this series. I really have no reference point for two baseball teams playing each other. By the time this series is over— 15 times, I believe, in the last 21 or 22 games. I mean, this has been basically, if you take the last calendar month, Missoula versus Ogden. That's basically been what it's been with I guess a three-game series with the Idaho Falls Checkers and a three-game series with the Great Falls Voyagers spliced in. The Paddleheads have the upper hand so far. They're six and three so far. Six out of the nine contests have gone to Missoula,
1: but just give us a preview of this upcoming six-game set. Well, you touched on it. It's It is an interesting storyline seeing all these games. And it's not just two just random opponents playing each other this many times. It's two very good ball clubs. I mean, the Ogden Raptors have been at the top of the Southern Division all season long, similarly to how the Paddleheads have been at or near the top of the Northern Division all season long. So it's two very good teams playing against each other. And Dean Stiles, the manager of the Raptors, is definitely a strategic guy. He does a lot of things that are a little bit colorful, I guess you could say, especially with his pitching. He's a guy that will bring five, six pitchers in during one game, you know, and he'll have a starting pitcher go out there that is only expected to go two or three innings, kind of the quote-unquote bullpen game philosophy. So that kind of presents another challenge to it. And these two teams know each other so well, you know, and just, you know, just thinking about it from my perspective, you know, David Mayberry is the big, strong power hitting first baseman. Goldfarb can catch and play center field and he leads the league in homers. He got Broughton, who's great. Paven Parks, who's a fabulous player, all hitting at or near 400. So, you know, the challenge that this Raptor offense presents, you know, but, and obviously the The Paddleheads' offense has been just as good, but they know each other so well. At this point, they know if they throw X pitch to Zach Almond that this is what is likely to happen. And I really think that will be interesting to look at the cat and mouse game that these two teams play, knowing that they know each other so well at this point. Jeff Safford, Missoula Paddleheads. He'll be on the call
0: each of the next six games. He'll be spending all his time along the Los Angeles front in Ogden, Utah, as the Raptors of Ogden host Missoula. A pivotal six-game series between the top team in the Pioneer League North and the top team in the Pioneer League South. Jeff, safe travels, my friend, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next Tuesday. Sounds good to me. is now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Treasure State Stars coming at you. Some great performances and a couple newsworthy briefs as well. Keep it right here, ESPN Missoula. I see the crystal raindrops fall And the beauty of it all Is when the sun comes shining through To make those rainbows in my mind. What up, Missoula? What up, Montana? Welcome back to Nuanas Now. Thanks so much for Just hanging out with us on a Tuesday. We can make it if we try. Love the Soulful Jams as well. It's a good movie I'm playing at the Roxy Theater right now. It's called The Summer of Soul. It's about a, a music festival that occurred in the summer of 1969 in Harlem that a movie was made into. But then The movie was never distributed, and there's a lot of controversy as to why. Now it's out, and it features some of the great soul artists of the era in the late 60s, the Al Greens of the world, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, a variety of acts like that. And so that's now playing at the Roxy Theater. So it's probably been a long time since you went to a movie. That might be a good one to go check out. Summer of Soul is the title of the movie. Very much look forward to checking that out uh, with... My friends or whoever might want to attend that with me. Nuana's is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Northwest Motorsport Trucks, Trucks, and More Trucks. They got the largest inventory in the Pacific Northwest. Missed anything in the show? Brooks Nuana at SportsMT.com and our resident NBA expert joined me live to break down the NBA Finals, which starts tonight. We'll have all the coverage of Game 1 of the, tonight's NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns from the desert in Phoenix, live here on ESPN Missoula. pregame game starts in about, oh, 40 minutes, and then the uh, the action will get underway 7.05 p.m. So keep it right here if you want to check out all the action. The ESPN calls on the radio are always awesome, uh, some of the best in the business when it comes to the NBA playoffs. So we are proud to feature that. But if you want to, excuse me, uh, if you did miss anything in the show, though, Anthony Knockriner from the Knock On Sports, he has a Class AA football podcast. Uh, Roland as well. He joined us to wrap up our number one. Jeff Safford from those little paddleheads, kind enough to spend most of segment two, or I guess hour two, with us here on as now. We talked all things Major League Baseball, some of the best storylines in Major League Baseball right now as we quickly approach the All Star break, and also gave you a recap of the recent series victory for the paddleheads over the Great Falls Voyagers and a preview of the upcoming six games on the road from Ogden, Utah. Paddleheads will be back on our airwaves tomorrow, Wednesday, all the way through that six-game series before they're back home the next Wednesday, July 14th. So we will continue to give you tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads as well. All of that in today's show can be found on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Quickly, we're going to get through our treasured state stars, which is presented proudly by Parkside Credit Union, Parkside Credit Union, has so many perks, free rewards, checking accounts with cash back, high dividend rates, and ATM fee refunds. Parkside Credit Union, they love to say yes. Treasure State stars Claire Kovach. She's a three-time Class C champion in the discus from Sealy Swan High School. She is headed to Colorado State on a track scholarship. She was the named the Montana Gatorade Girls Track and Field Athlete of the Year over the weekend. Treasure State star number two, three outstanding Athletes from Missoula Hellgate: Kenzie May, Ignatius Fitzgerald, and Sage Brooks. They all competed uh, at a national meet over the weekend. Uh, very impressive for them, the NSAF Outdoor Nationals this past weekend. So, congratulations to that trio of Hellgate stars. We will feature them on our senior spotlight. Speaking of our senior spotlight, Treasure State Star number three is Noah Borchard. He will be our uh, Treasure, excuse me, our senior spotlight. Featurey tomorrow, he's from Huntley Project. He signed with the University of Colorado over the weekend. So congratulations to him and Treasure State star number four, Martin Iasefo. He's a former University of Montana student, a former Missoula Maggots rugby player. He is on the United States team for rugby heading into the Tokyo Olympics. Treasure State Stars proudly presented by Parkside Credit Union proud sponsors of youth athletics across the state of Montana. Tomorrow, we'll lead with Noah Borchard from Huntley Project, one of the great track athletes in the state of Montana, one of the great overall athletes. He's a great basketball player as well. Sean Rainey will also be back in the saddle. He's going to be shooting a little feature at the Missoula Paddleheads Golf. Uh, they, they, it's Pebble Beach Paddlehead style, basically, down at Oregon Field Allegiance Park this week. So go to M-I-L-B backslash, milb.com backslash Missoula for more information on playing golf down there. at Missoula Major League Baseball Park. But Sean Rainey, SWX Montana TV will be back in the studio with me, as will Noah Borchardt, and also efforting some other good guests for later on in the week as well. We'll be back at it here on ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television at 4 p.m. tomorrow. In the meantime, you have yourself a wonderful evening and be
1: good.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear